0: Our text for this afternoon comes from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. Now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into the side, I will not believe. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The word of God for the people of God. Good afternoon. Oh, that was sad and pitiful. Good afternoon. I had every intention of coming into this pulpit and being super professional, right? Cause it's princeton y'all and i'm supposed to you know be really professional but i'm so excited i'm so excited for so many many reasons this is my favorite week of the year like i look forward and not just because i get to leave everybody else at home but <laughs> because i get to hang with some of the best people on the planet about Three or three years ago, I was invited by Ministry Architects and our fearless leader uh, Jeff Dunrankin, who's sitting right there, to be a coach for um, some cohort members here. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I showed up for the first time on this campus just with my girl Tony here. We had no idea what we were walking into, but I'm so glad I walked into it. I'm so glad because now I've been able to hang out with these fabulous, incredible people. And it makes me really look smart when I tell folks, no, I'm going to be at Princeton for a week. (laughs) And so I'm really excited and really happy to be here and really thankful to God for, for this moment and for this time and for this week with you. Now, I grew up in a Baptist church, but now I pastor a Presbyterian church, and none of that matters, but I just wanted to tell you because this afternoon, you have to talk back to me. (laughs) All right? I'm a sensitive preacher, I'm a sensitive girl. If I don't hear some amens or something, I'm gonna think you're not paying attention. So if you like it, say amen. If you don't like it, still say amen. If you come from a church and they don't say amen, I won't tell if you don't (laughs) say amen anyway. Let's pray. God, you are great and gracious and wonderful and worthy to be praised. And we thank you for this moment, for this opportunity, and for this chance to be in your presence. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. God, our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. amen. Amen. This episode in John 20, 24 through 29 is a typical youth ministry moment. Thomas, one of the 12, is a typical youth ministry kid. Bear with me now. You know this kid, this kid who might be the youngest in the group, who can't hang out with the big kids like he wants to, the kid who always seems to miss the fun stuff, because he has to leave early because his mom is calling him to, I don't know, uh, SAT prep, or he comes late because he's running from a soccer game. You know this kid. And most of the time when this kid misses stuff, you know, he can shake it off. He can miss a pizza party or two, that's okay. But when a moment like missing the return of the Savior happens, well, that just might put the kid over the top. Can you imagine it? Thomas comes into a room that is buzzing with excitement. His homeboys, his his, his people are, are, are talking about something. There's a murmur, there's a whisper, there's something going on. And soon he realizes he's missed out on something. The disciples say to Thomas, man, you missed it. We have seen the Lord. We saw his hands and we saw his feet. We saw the holes, Thomas. It's really him. Can you believe it? And Thomas says, nah, I can't believe it. (laughs) No, I don't believe it. He says, unless I see his hands and I, I see the print of the nail, I will not believe. I will not believe. I have a fabulous niece who's 15 years old and she lives on Instagram and Snapchat. I mean, she lives there. You go there now, she's there, she lives there. That's her (laughs) dwelling place. Every day, every minute, she's confronted with an overwhelming amount of information. This visual stimuli, these images flickering every single millisecond. And she has to take all of this in She has to make uh, very quick decisions on what she's going to believe and what she's not going to believe, what's real and what's not real. In just a little bit of time, she has to decipher whether the information that she's taking in, what she hears, what she sees, and what she feels is real. Is it necessary? Is it important? And so because she is used to being exposed to absolutely everything, so used to seeing everything and everybody else's everything, which makes it real for her. She has a difficult time when you try to tell her something. Her answer is always, yeah, TT, I know. Yeah, grandma, I know. Yeah, mom, I know. But she really thinks that she knows everything. Do you know that kid? (laughs) She really thinks she knows everything. She hasn't had enough life experience to know what it's like to believe in something, even when you haven't seen it. Thomas thought that he knew everything too. Jesus was dead. I saw it go down. There was no way that the other disciples saw Jesus again. I know what I know. He hadn't had enough life experiences to look back and to remind him that You don't always have to see something to believe it. Thomas was about to go on a very wild ride. Thomas wanted to see the nail prints and the hole so that he could believe, but that was not the plan God had for Thomas. As a matter of fact, Thomas had to sit in his doubt for a whole week. I love this part. (laughs) A whole week later, The disciples are hanging out again and Thomas is with them and Jesus in my mind with his dreadlocks and his tall self comes into the room. The door is locked, Jesus steps in and with all the swag and coolness that I in my imagination Jesus has says, peace be with you. (laughs) That would blow my mind if I was Thomas. What are you talking about? Here he is face to face with Jesus. But here's the thing. Thomas had to sit in this vulnerable, doubtful, tense place for a whole week. He had to struggle with this doubt. He had to wrestle with some questions about what's really real. What if they did see Jesus? Then what does that mean for me? What does that mean for my life? For a whole week, nobody gave Thomas the answer. For a whole week, nobody made it right for Thomas. For a whole week, nobody tried to fix it. I think that Jesus just gave us the best youth leader advice ever. That sometimes our youth have to sit in a vulnerable place so that Jesus can make an entrance into their hearts. That sometimes our youth need to struggle a little bit with some questions because you know they have questions. Is this Jesus real? Is this thing real? And if Jesus is real, what does that mean for my life? Sometimes they've got to wrestle. Sometimes the best thing that we can do is just be present. We don't always have to have the answer. We don't always have to have, come on somebody, the answer. We don't always have to fix it. We don't always have to make it right there are some things that our youth just need to have some time with so that Jesus can begin to do some hard work, can begin to do some soul tending, can begin to do some faith restoration work. And the truth be told, in that time when our youth and our children are waiting, Jesus is working on us too. I know we're fancy because we're sitting in a fancy place, but let's be honest. We haven't always had it together. Just nudge the person next to you. You haven't always had it together. This is where we can learn a little bit about our own faith. We can wrestle with our own questions. We can struggle with our own doubt. We could could use, I don't know about you, but I could use a little heart work. I could use a little soul tending. I could use a little faith restoration in my life. Finding ourselves in a little tension is not always a bad thing. Oh, it might hurt a little bit. It might be a little uncomfortable. But I found that in the moments of tension, that's where I see God the most. That's where I go in vigor. That's when I find myself down on my knees praying to Jesus. Isn't that what we want for our youth? Isn't that what we want for our young people, for them to find their own way to Christ? to write their own story of faith, to tell their own testimony. In this youth leader life, uh, it's easy for us to wanna make our our youth, make their life like ours was. We had a great experience, and so we wanted to be like, like ours, or our experience sucked, and so we wanna make yours better. But the beauty of life and the beauty of this ministry, of this calling is that every story and every journey and every testimony is different and it's unique and it's personal and it's intimate. And we all have to find our own way. So so here was Thomas after struggling for a week, looking at the risen Savior, looking at Jesus Christ in the face and Jesus holds out his hand and says, put your finger in it. Go ahead, Thomas. <laughs> That's what you wanted, isn't it? Put your, put your finger in it. Put your, your, your hand in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus didn't go to anybody else but Thomas. This was Thomas's moment. This was his intimate encounter. This, this, this is what Thomas didn't even know he had been longing for. This is the moment that moved Thomas from tension to testimony. This was his moment. I don't know about you. I I don't know. But what I long for is a day when the young people in my life, my nieces, my nephews, the kids at my church, I long for the day when they have their very own encounter with the risen Christ. I live for the day when they can meet Jesus face to face because something happens when you meet Jesus face to face. Something happens when you doubt it for so long, but then a miracle comes and it calls you to cry out, my Lord, my God. We can come to all the forums and trainings and conferences we want. We can go to one every day and every week, but until our number one mission is to lead our young people to their own encounter with Christ, it means nothing. Until we lead our young people to their own encounter with Christ can mean anything. We just know a bunch of stuff. <laughs> if we are not totally sold out on the vision of guiding our young people to the cross of Jesus Christ so that they can experience a moment of real, realness, we are in this for the wrong reason. We must be praying and guiding and waiting and listening and sitting and walking alongside our young people in a way that lands them smack dab in the middle of the uh, conversation with Jesus Christ. Thomas. Began to see some things different, I imagine, after this encounter. He began to see some things through a different lens of his belief. And not because somebody told him so, not because he heard a story. Now Thomas had an experience that shaped his life forever. Now Thomas could go and tell other people what he had seen and what he had experienced. This moment became a conversation between Jesus and Thomas. And Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. Thomas had been waiting to be shown something he could believe in. So I imagine as Thomas grew up, he saw things from a different point of view. That even when you're sitting in the middle of turmoil, God is still faithful. God still shows up. That even when life doesn't make sense, God still shows up. We have the responsibility, we have the responsibility to go home at the end of this week and do one of two things. We can go home and you can sit on everything that you've learned, or you can go home and give our young people a new set of lenses. A new filter, not a Snapchat filter. A new kind of filter, not something cutesy, but something they can reuse in real life. A new way to see life and see the church and see faith and see Jesus. So that when they find themselves in a season of tension and turmoil and doubt, they can say, I believe it not only because I've seen it, I believe it because it's real, because I've had an encounter, because I've had a moment. I've had an encounter with the living, breathing, moving, all-loving, all-powerful, always faithful Jesus Christ. And I know that God is faithful. I know that God will show up. Maybe this week is for you. Maybe you're running away from your kids for a couple of days. Maybe you thought it would be great to just hang out in such a beautiful place. Maybe you're here to learn some things about yourself. Maybe you need to be reminded that God is faithful and that God always shows up. God is faithful in your doubt and in our fear and in our joy and in our sorrow and in our distress and in our wrestling. God is faithful. God is faithful even when parents are mourning the death of their four children in Nashville. God is still faithful. I might see chaos, but I believe that God is faithful. I might see evil, but I believe with everything in me that God is faithful. I might see madness, but God is still, come on somebody, I might see, I might see destruction, but God is still faithful. And God still shows up. Oh, if you don't believe that, then we can pack up and we can go home now. In the lives of our young people, we have to believe all the things that they're going through, that God is still faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning by morning by morning by morning by morning. New mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Take that home back to your young people and change the way that they see the world so that they can change that the world sees them, so they can change the way that the world sees the church, so they can change the way that the Lord sees Jesus. That's why you're here. That's why you are here this week. Enjoy the beauty enjoy the lectures enjoy the company enjoy the fellowship but don't you dare forget yeah. that God is faithful yeah. God is good yeah. God is great amen, yeah. amen. Yeah. amen.